So these um, doors to the deathless, <coughs> the uh, four four jhanas and uh, four brahma viharas, and through three formless states, which we won't go into right now. But basically, with these, you know, it's you begin to um, get a sense of being able to establish level of perception and feeling mm, which is based upon skillful, careful, wise uh, attention rather than perception and feeling that's based more upon uh, one's own inner psychology you know, you know, or just or physical states for example so, you know, so normally we feel good when we feel healthy we feel happy. We feel uh, good when we are um, treated nicely. You know, it touches off that kind of thing, obviously. Uh, and then the Buddha Dharma says to, you know, we can live happily and peacefully amongst those who dislike us. <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of benchmark, you know. So instead of you've got some say over over your own state of happiness, which is independent of um, the you know in, input and how you know the psychological triggering that can occur when one is blamed or feeling sick or you know whatever. So you get the bodily senses and the psychological senses. Bodily senses tend to be dealt with in jhana. And the kind of ner- nervous senses, the jitteriness of the mind, and the Brahmavihara deal more with the mental, emotional senses, and the, and the and the agitation that comes from those. So you get the kind of levels of feeling, perception, you know, and how much of that is coming from uh, psychology, you know, inner psychologies, which are natural and understandable. We all have those. And yet, um, don't lead to nibbana. Nobody can enjoy being ill or being abused, I wouldn't think. If you do, then, you know, that's another kind of psychology, isn't it? But it's not to say that we, we shouldn't bother to be healthy and, and be free from abuse either. It's just uh, how do we how do we come to you know find ourselves having that independence that means we can move towards physical uh, well-being and so forth from a place of balance and clarity rather than desperation, fear, you know, agitation. Mm. So. You know, it's just kind of getting this sense of being able to free oneself from having one's buttons pushed, you might say, very basically. And through doing that, then we have a kind of a, a, a ground. You've got some free ground, and then that free ground can, in, can be seen with insight and... Um, so there's no further renewal of being in that, which is a, a complex... Uh, you know, you know, it sounds easy in abstract. 
but that essentially as long as there's any state of being something or another is going to be attachment to it mm-hmm. and it breaks up so even these Brahma Vihara they lead to you know, in, in the extension of that, they lead to these Brahma Loka, which yeah. seem like, wow, this is great, you know, because they seem so so boundless and wide and sublime and trouble-free, but because they are, they are relatively so. And the Buddha said, this, these are the best places to be if you want to be a being. But uh, <laughs> there is also the, nat- the sense that these two end are volitionally produced, produced by karma, will end, you know. So you use these as places to really review the sense of being anything, being anything, holding anything, volition, which is a quite subtle process. We can look at the Brahma Vihara also in terms of what they eliminate, and what where they where they where they themselves can go out of balance, you know, where you can mistake them. So obviously, you know, they eliminate cruelty, um, harshness, um, grump, sourness, grumpiness, depression, despond, and then they eliminate agitation. So you get the metta eliminates the kind of uh, niggardliness, starvations, which we can do to ourselves and to others, a kind of ungracious, ungenerous, un, um, you know, an absence of, of blessing in that. So, so it eliminates that quality, ill will. Karuna eliminates the sense of um, hurting, judgment, dismissal, looking down upon, belittling oneself or others. Uh, Udita eliminates this quality of, called arati, which is variously translated, generally means a kind of negative attitude, which could be seen as cynicism, despond, uh, depression, um, jealousies, kind of, you know, you can feel like a preta quality of sourness, arati, and equanimity eliminates the agitation which comes through the ups and downs of feeling. You know, there's a kind of always, well, it's always being rocked. So, you know, as it's been suggested the other day. You know, equanimity, you want to develop equanimity, you have to be very patient, be like a tree, have that kind of sense of, you know, the patience of a yew tree, (laughs) which, uh, yeah, it's a nice image. (laughs) Rather than that kind of flickery, uh, oh, this is a great day, this is a bad day, this is a good moment, it's a bad, you know, just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that that sense of you know what that requires a real yew trees have got very good roots. You know, real rooting in dhamma, in confidence, in trust. Mm-hmm. That's why, of course, equanimity is, is rare, really, 
you have to be pretty um, well cultivated. You know, to have some real ground that you that you you're rooted in, mm. and then you compare. You can you've been through that. You've seen that. Okay, it's like that. And of course, the more ones you know becomes uh, rooted in Dhamma, the realization of the changeness, the change of things, that the unsatisfactoriness you know, this particular thing will shift and something else will happen and so forth. You know, it's not as if you deny these things, just something you eventually doesn't jump up so much and doesn't dive down so much. It's a kind of maturation process, equanimity. You know, it generally means going through quite a lot, I, I sense pra- pragmatically. Of course, equanimity is where the jhanas and the Brahmavihara meet. The sense of being able to extend that, that sense of groundedness, stillness, imperturbable through the whole of one's domain. And this is through, you know, turn, you know, so the feelings that occur don't. Um, stimulate the kind of feedback loops of excitement, depression, agitation, clinging. You can look at it also quite simply, these three great forces that the Buddha met, tanha, raga, tanha, and arati. Tanha, craving, raga, passion, arati, despond. Raga, passion, passion, people enjoy passion. Uh, And when you, uh, because it it sends this charge through the system, like picks you up, gets you going, watch football, you know, listen to a song. So, you know, so it's this kind of flush through the system, which we like because it takes away the dullness or the regretfulness or the whatever. You know, suddenly we become unified around something that feels bright. And uh, there are different kinds of passion. You know, there's obviously things that are unskillful, and then there are things that are relatively skillful. So the Buddha said even Dhamma becomes a passion, when you get really uh, um, sort of charged up with the ideas or the teachings or the state of samadhi or something. Uh, and it's kind of flush through the system that inspiration you know and this is a this is a you might say a good kind of passion and so passion you look at it broadly speaking it's not it's beyond as bad and good but you know it's not the passion is always bad but it does have this I- effect you know we we flush with it and then of course there's the change you know so Often, what happens in certainly in religions is people get very inspired and suddenly get quite really righteous about it all, and then there's conflict, you know. Or you get there's inspiration, and then something goes wrong, and there's oof, loss of faith, something of this nature. You know? 
or you know, or one realizes states of samadhi and then you can't get it anymore. Not that these are bad, but just to be aware of how this kind of this surge to the system, this surge is something to be watchful of as 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 you know subject to it, it's something that one can can be clung to yeah. so it's certainly better to feel inspired than 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 despairing but you recognize okay use that use that that uplift use that for for its worth and rather than cling to it or if you do cling to it then learn we learn a little bit about clinging Tanha, craving. So craving isn't always passionate. It isn't always that same sense of surge, but it's more um, an embedding, a kind of a, a thirst that that's, that fills you. So one of the forces of, of craving, bhava tanha, is just this sense of feeling solid, feeling uh, a sense one has a future, which you wouldn't say is bad. But, of course, when there's a future, there's worry, there's anxiety, there's expectation, there's uncertainty, there's agitation. Mm-hmm. So the sense of extending in time, the craving to extend in time, to make sure that it works, that my life will be okay in the future. Very understandable, we all have that natural thing, not to be blamed, but, you know, recognizing, mm, you know, this is a source of suffering. And RRT, the almost goes the other way. Why bother? Um, you know, the world's a mess. You know, people are just, it's like that. You know. So you can recognize probably that the percentage of people in the, on the planet with even keeping the five precepts is is small <laughs> yeah, compared with those who don't hmm? people practicing meditation small compared with those who don't people intending on uh, you know deliberately focusing and intending on harmlessness or liberation small compared with those who aren't people who actually realize the fruits of this small compared with those who don't, even those who are trying, you know, small. Well, oof, you know, so <laughs> it's certainly easy to feel, oh, well, you know, where's this going? And uh, you see, you know, in, uh, even, even you've got Sangha situations, you know, every, every religious tradition, wherever good, useful, Always corruption, power squabbling, um, institutionalization occurring. You know the way it is, and percentage of people who in in any kind of religious form really finding you know way out relatively small, and the bigger and the more established it gets, perhaps. One of the ironies is the smaller the liberation gets because the attention becomes more on establishing the thing, keeping it going, making sure it's okay for the future, 
Yeah. And so the Buddha said, you know, the Sangha will degenerate basically through gain, renown and respect. That's how it will degenerate. Because when those come in, then naturally more attention has to go to the stewardship and less to the the gate out. Mm. And it's something that so you think, well, poof. So naturally one can feel a little bit despondent about that. But I would say that the point we have to come to is that understandable sense of wishing the future to be okay, to be well. Or even wishing that my life in future will be happy and okay. And then recognizing, you know, when you've done that already, we've made that step into a being, perpetuating a being. Then there's worry, agitation, depression, despond. And always that, you know, way out is to establish this, where these tides are sweeping one away of craving, of despond, of passion, you know, tending them, refining them, trimming them down, purifying, and then to the point when it is just really dealing with the feeling arising in the moment, perception arising in the moment, is the the growth point and from that point then one can manifest the kind of qualities that will you know bring the best results that are possible in the plane of being the world you might say in general So as you say, mudita, quality that um, moves against um, that despond, cynicism, down, you know, why bother, that, that feeling of perception. When you see that arati really depends upon the sense of a being, you know, who has a future, who will be something, you know, or a state that that can't be attained or should be attained or whatever, you know, that, that kind of underlying sense. So we're coming to you know, develop mudita, being able to appreciate the moment, you know, it's a given and essentially this faculty that we have for discernment for mindfulness for awakening so that that tide doesn't catch hold
equanimity, any feeling, where where these can go wrong, is to put it another way, metta goes wrong when it tends towards attachment to the loved, wanting it to stay, wanting it to be here, wanting it to, you know, that kind of hanging on like that. Karuna goes wrong when it becomes sorrow. Compassion becomes a sense of always feeling the helplessness and the sorrow of things. It hasn't got the equilibrium. And mudita goes wrong when it becomes just the kind of uh, naive um, merriment, I think is the word they use. <laughs> you get a little bit giddy with it, you know. Peter Pan and so forth. <laughs> it's all bunnies and daffodils and Pollyanna, you might say. Yeah. And equanimity goes wrong when it becomes indifference. Yeah. So equanimity moves against agitation and it overbalances, we lose it when we get to indifference. So these are extremely kind of helpful reflections I find because where they go wrong is when they hinge upon a sense of being that is with metta we attach to the sense of being either the other being that we are expressing that towards or to even being in that state Karuna becomes wrong, we get a, it turns into the big picture of global suffering. Then the sense of a permanent being or an extended being is takes over. Mudita, we either attach to the feeling of happiness or only see that aspect of being. And we want to perpetuate it. Equanimity becomes indifference when we hang on to feeling unconcerned or unmoved by things. When it's really, you know. So you use these uh, Brahma Vihara, or they they can be generated. Sometimes they are really great breakthroughs, you know, to 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 others as to oneself. You better feel metta for oneself, mudita for oneself, and you appreciate and enjoy one's skillfulness, one's goodness, these are, you know, immense um, turnarounds for many people. Begins with, you're feeling something, then what's it like to be with that feeling? There's the feeling, and then what's it like to be with it? What's it like to feel that feeling? So it's a kind of secondary, you know, you feel happy or what's it like to feel happy? Oh, it's kind of nice. Or actually it's a bit agitated, you know. Oh, I didn't realise that. You know, the sort of party feeling is a little bit, you know, then something you want to just feel, just let's calm it down. You know, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want any more of that. The response of that becomes more towards equanimity. Or it could be another, you know could be towards appreciation, it's great to feel happy. But you see, it's the Brahma-vihara arise as what's it like to be with the particular 
immediate feeling, the feeling that comes from one's psychology or from one sense contact. Yeah, yeah. Physical discomfort. What's it like to be with that? And maybe instead of just feeling irritated, there's a sense of compassion or equanimity or kindness. And so it's that it's that thing that comes. It's a cultivation. It turns around the where the button pushed reflex says, wait a minute. So even if you just find yourself, you know, feel, you know, you can always, if you're feeling like, oh, I'm fed up with this, what's it like to feel fed up? What's it like to feel you can't feel anything? Uh-huh. Well, feels kind of frustrating. Okay, now, what's it like to feel frustration? Oh, I'm tired of it. Okay, so now we're coming towards something a little more compassionate. So, you know, sometimes it's just waking up a feeling that has almost died because something has just given up on it. You know, it's just that what one has found is the only thing you can do is just basically shut down and not feel it and just wait and weather through. So that can become a kind of blank out strategy that we have when we, when we have overwhelm. You know, so it's just don't... You just basically go cold or freeze. So you have to ask, what's it like to feel that absence of feeling? Do you want more of it or less of it? Mm, So you just kind of can sometimes bring alive where one is something in you is just kind of, you know, cut out, given up, or flurries away. In, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know, that kind of thing. When you get these little flurries in the system, what's it like to feel those flurries? What's it like to feel that sense of, oh, this is embarrassing, this is awkward, I don't like this, I mean, you know. Well, that's agitation, isn't it? What's it like to feel, oh, it doesn't really matter? What's it like to feel, well, I can't complain? Mm. <laughs> What's it like to feel? Well, it's all impermanent anyway. Mm. <laughs> What's it like to feel while well, life is suffering? Mm. You know, you can start to find that some of the psychologies even adapt dumber language to keep themselves from actually feeling the that kind of raw point where one one isn't really trying to be a being who's coping, mastered, okay, steady, stable, enduring, you just, just, you know, it's not the point. Actually, what is the, is the um, edge there? What's it like to feel stuck? See, you know, and then what's the response to that? So the Brahma Vihara gives a way in which that response can come through, whereas it tends to be blocked when we think, you know, when, when one has had a response and basically says, well, I can't do anything about it anyway, so I'll just put up with it. So that there's the closing down. You know, I've got pain in my body, there's nothing I can do about it, so just poof, resign. 
because when you look for outlets or resolutions on those levels or in terms of you know once you know my personality is like this so what can I do about it yeah of course in one way is a dead end seemingly but in other ways well you could at least try just being with that feeling what it's like to feel that and then strange enough there can be an opening that leads to release in terms of Dhamma this is why you know the possibility for Nibbana is there even when it isn't possible to be always healthy understood you know yet so forth but what does have to happen is whatever the body is doing or what other people are doing or whatever the system is doing that you don't internalize the psychologies of resignation useless no good always going to be this way that you allow you know keep the feeling keep the spirit present this is our possibility even in a world which seems to be which can give rise to a huge amount of despair and feeling the inescapable quality of it still we keep the spirit you know, individually and there's that that's the the lamp the light Because one isn't really asking for the future or a world or a being. You just truly hallowing the spirit. This is what could be done, can be done. But these Brahmavihara themselves, as I said, are, are, can extend into, into very profound and uh, supportive states of being. Interesting sutta, I was looking at the sutta on the exposition of the elements when the Buddha um, puts up for the night in this potter's workshop with a, a recluse called Pukusati. It's a really nice story because Pukusati has never met the Buddha and is a wanderer and is actually wanting to desperately to meet the Buddha. He says, I want to want to go and find the Buddha. I don't know where he is. So he, he he puts up for the night in this potter's workshop and the Buddha somehow recognizes this guy's looking for him. So he's wandering and he decides he'll go and check out this Pukusati. So he, he asked to put up for the night in the potter's workshop. They sit together, and the Pukusati doesn't know this is the Buddha. So it's a lovely kind of piece of dramatic irony. Because the Buddha says to Pukusati, Friend, you know, who's your teacher? He says, Oh, my teacher's Gautama. Have you ever met this person? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we could talk a little bit of Dhamma. <laughs> so the Buddha starts giving this talk about three quarters of the way through it Pukusati recognizes there's only one person who could talk like this <laughs> and the bit he gets it 
is when the Buddha talks about um, equanimity. Because the Pukusati has kind of gone all the way with him. Yeah, 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 okay. You know, He knows the jhanas, he knows the formless realms. And he's got this sense, so he, he's really very pleased the fact that he can get into this equanimous state. And then the, the Buddha is saying, and then yes, there's equanimity, purified and bright. And uh, and he and he talks about, you know, when one has discernment, one understands this equanimity. You can extend it as far as you like, and it's a sublime abiding place. And yet, it is volitionally produced, subject to change. When you begin to really put this to the test, then you know you let go of that. And this is where the Pukusati recognizes this could only be the Buddha. Mm. And he says, uh, you know, one, when one feels a painful feeling, physical feeling, you feel the feeling, but it doesn't set off uh, a, you know, a psychological response. When you feel an unpleasant feeling, when you feel a neutral feeling, you don't necessarily feel, oh, everything's fine. It's you know, everything's okay, it's peaceful, it's happy, it's steady. You don't get that going. You don't get an inner complacency. You just know this is equanimous. Mm-hmm. So you don't make a sense of being out of any of it. You said this is truth. This is the this is the realization of truth. There is no unified state of being but there is a a state of knowing you might say truthfulness absolute honesty which I think is a nicer way of looking at it than ultimate truth which always gives you the feeling there's some kind of thing you can get to but absolute honesty So he said, this is, this is Nibbana. The mind is not sticking things together, not binding, not perpetuating, not delighting, not rejecting. Mm-hmm. So this is insight. This is the detachment, dispassion, insight. And it, but he doesn't say you abandon. You don't have equanimity, you don't have metta. But you use those as places to flush out the effects, the psychologies of resentment and excitability and um, craving, so that those and you know those obvious senses are eliminated. And the subtler sense also is is understood, which is the subtler sense is this craving for being, which is a not a great kind of flaring passion, but a steady, stabilizing territorial sense one really wants to have a world of things going okay I want to have that myself (laughs) but you can certainly doesn't mean you give up either but it means that one's 
actions can be free from sorrow and frustration. You just do the good because what else is there to do? So this is a kind of um, gives you an understanding of the karma of someone's life. Good karma and then karma that leads to the end of it. Which is this inner work of releasing that sense of the future, the place, the situation, you know, the world, and uh, coming into just the purity of these Brahmavihara are really guides to action. So it means, you know, we that in the moment we can we keep acting in that way. You just keep it actually as the determinant of how the mind brings forth something. Because of course the you know, I think we've all understood, you know, the irony of every religion is about peace. Peaceful religion. Love, peace, God, divine, the sublime, you know. Every one of them is kind of arguing, fighting, slaughtering, <laughs> repressing, burning people alive <laughs> for the sake of the good, the bright, and the holy. You know what happened? We what happened was that the you know those those which are true actually get attached to a state of the world or the being or the institution or the territory rather than actually a guide for the here and now of the mind. Yeah. You know, every political system is about freedom, justice, the right, will of the people, and so forth, isn't it? Yeah. But the problem is that the mind doesn't, isn't taking it one moment at a time from the Brahm Metta Karuna Muditru Peka. So when you put the two together, you have that cultivation, but at the same time, you're seeing as just what is brought forth in the in the moment. You know, from you know, you know so one's one's actions are not led by craving or irritation or passion. You know, then. We will see. <laughs> and uh, there's also freedom for the individual in the here and now. This is, this is what all that the Buddha felt was possible. Even his own life disputes, um, you know, living in warring kingdoms, watching his own people, his own native tribe getting butchered, you know, and yet to his last breath, feeling, well, I can present the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's what I do here. Anyone? Anyone?